Hi, this is the official podcast of Riverside International Church in Lisbon. Riverside is an international, contemporary, caring, and Christ-centered community. Our vision is to significantly impact the country of Portugal and the regions beyond with the gospel. Thank you for listening to us, and we hope that your life will be impacted by these teachings. God bless. Can we clap again for Jesus this morning? Yes. Amen. Amen. We praise the Lord. Amen. Let me find where I can be, where I can move. Wow, I can move so much right now. It's so nice. It's so good to be together this morning. Good morning to all of you. Good morning for you who are with us for the very first time. Who's with us for the first time in Riverside, Lisbon? Okay, some of you. A round of applause to you too. <laughs> Happy that you could join us. We hope that as we came together to celebrate Jesus, you already were touched by God's presence in this place. I think our worship times are getting better and better. You agree with me? Yes. Amen. We want to serve Jesus. We want to exalt him. If you happen to have kids with you, with all these lights, I can't see if they're kids. But if you have kids, there's a room for Sunday school. You can take them so they can also learn from Jesus. Um, this is also a very special Sunday as our mother church in Kishkais is celebrating 22 years. So the first Riverside Church was opened 22 years ago. And uh, if you want to go uh, on Facebook later, they always film their services. You can go online and on Facebook just congratulate them, right? Whenever there's a birthday, we want to celebrate alongside with them. Um, but we're so happy to be part of the, their story, the story of that God is, is um, telling through the, the Riverside Church. And we're so happy to serve alongside them. Um, we're approaching the end of this message series, Dear Church. Um, it has been the longest message series that we've had in Riverside, Lisbon so far. But I think it, it has been good to um, talk about these seven cities, seven different churches that are uh, in the book of Revelation. And these churches have received the letter from Jesus, and Jesus is the head of the church. And there are so many important facts that I think that we already took from this message series. One is that Jesus really cares about his church. Jesus deeply loves the church and cares for it and wants a church that is healthy, a church that is, is following the truth of who he is. Another important fact is that double-minded Christianity was a problem of the church back then and unfortunately is still a problem in the church of today. A lot of people confess that they love and they follow Jesus. A lot of people uh, decide to become Christians and they accept the salvation that is found in Jesus, but they've become complacent about their sins, about their shortcomings. And we've also learned that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, he's also the judge of all humanity. And one day will come where he will give um, judgment and will allow the, the earth to face the consequences of their choices. But in the meantime, Jesus is calling everyone, everyone to repentance and life change before it is too late. And as we open God's word this morning, we're going to read another letter to the church. Um, and this time in Philadelphia. I don't know if you're from the United States. It's not the Philadelphia in the United States. It's not Philly. 
We're still in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And even though it was located, this city was located inland, I was reading that it was next to this Imperial Post Road, 80,000 kilometers of hard surface pavement. This is something very unique uh, to the Roman Empire, and it allowed them to thrive in military power and trade, but it also provided a very safe pathway for the spreading of the gospel in those areas. Paul and Silas definitely used these roads to travel throughout the Roman Empire to preach the gospel to so many places in such a short time. So we're going to start reading together this letter from Jesus to the church in Philadelphia. And we're, we're going to open in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, if you have a Bible, or you can follow from the screen. And it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. And as in previous letters, we see Jesus introducing himself in a very unique way. And here, Jesus completely asserts his holiness. He is the Holy One. Jesus is morally perfect. Jesus has a character without flaws or blemish. But Jesus is also asserting his primacy. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is genuine reality. Jesus is the one that determines existence. And finally, Jesus asserts his power. No human power can go against the will of God. No human power can go against the will of Jesus, what he determines. He governs the events of human history from the beginning until the end. Another way to explain this is Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. Do we have philosophy fans in this room? Oh, man, you're really shy. Some of you like philosophy. I know you're there. Yes. And if you are a fan of philosophy, this means, this is just for you. This means that Jesus holds moral, conceptual, and physical supremacy. Moral, conceptual, and physical supremacy. He is basically telling and explaining to us that he is the one true God. He is the one that determines who is above everything that is ever created by him. But Jesus also uses symbolism in this explanation of who he is. Many times in the previous letters, Jesus was really stuck on, on symbols. And here, yes, he explained very plainly, I am the, the holy one. I am the true one. But now he's using this symbol with the expression, he holds the key of David. Now, this is a reference to a prophecy that we find in Isaiah 22. In the days of Ezekiah, he was the king of Judah around 700 years before Jesus. There was a chief royal steward that was in charge of the palace, and his name was Shebna. Now, the Bible tells us this man, Shebna, wasn't a man of integrity. He wasn't a man that followed the will of, followed the will of God. So Isaiah prophesied that Shebna would be replaced by another man, a godly man this time, named Eliakim. And God said this about him. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder, so he shall open and no one shall shut. And he shall shut and no one shall open. And Isaiah is describing a large key that was stuck in his shoulder of his tunic. Because it was the master key of the whole palace. 
It was a, a picture and a demonstration of the authority that he had in the palace. And now here God gives Eliakim this authority to open and shut as his representative, which no man can oppose. And in this way, he became a prophecy about Jesus, the Messiah, because Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth. Jesus is the one that has all authority in heaven and earth. His will cannot be opposed. He will decide to open some doors. He will decide to close some other doors. And whatever he opens, no one can shut. And whatever he shuts, no man can open. And now Jesus is telling the church in Philadelphia, and in the beginning of verse 8, Jesus tells the church, look, I have put in front of you an open door that no one can shut. What this tells me is that Jesus has all the power. It tells me that Jesus has a plan for his church, a plan that no one can stop from happening. And whatever door he chooses to open, however big, however costly, God is going to make it happen. God has the power to do it. Whatever door he chooses to open, as hard as it might be in our sight, we agree that he knows what he is doing because he has that authority. And I know that Jesus not only has that authority for the church, but he also has that authority in our lives. Living as a Christian, it doesn't mean that life is going to be filled with open doors for us. Being a Christian doesn't mean that God will suddenly open all the doors and everything will become possible to us. In Christian life, there are many closed doors, and we need to accept both the doors that God opens, and we need to accept the doors that God closes, and we do this through faith. Now, you, this may be puzzling you because, Pastor Reuben, I thought that faith was meant to open doors. Faith was meant to open the doors that are closed in our lives, but faith is the ability to believe what God can do. But faith is also the ability to accept what God wants to do. And that's something different. This means that we cannot use faith in order to be stubborn, in order to be stuck in our way and our will. Our faith needs to accept God's will as much as God's power. And I know that sometimes we struggle with this. We struggle to understand, I don't know what God is doing. I don't know if God is going to open the door I don't know if God is going to close the door, but hopefully we have his word. We have his spirit. And the Bible says that the spirit of God will lead us in all truth. So it means that we're not alone to figure out for ourselves what is God doing? What are the doors that he's going to open? What are the doors that he's going to close? He has given us all the guidance that we need to understand his will for our lives. We follow the one that has the keys. We follow the one that has all the power, and we need to trust him. The book of Revelation continues, and in this verse 8, the whole verse says, I know your deeds. Again, Jesus knows. Look, I have put in front of you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, but you have obeyed my word and have not denied my name. And one question that we can ask this verse immediately is, what is this door? And according to many passages uh, that Paul, uh, based on Paul's life, we understand that an open door for the church means new opportunities to serve 
new opportunities to preach the gospel, new opportunities to do ministry. And Jesus shares what motivated him to open this, this door for this, this specific church. Because while they had little strength, they have kept his word and have not denied his name. And I don't know the nature of this little strength. Maybe they were just a small community, a small church. Maybe this church had little resources. Maybe most people in this church were new believers. They weren't people of, of big faith. But however small and powerless they might seem by human standards, Jesus says that this church was able to remain fully obedient to Jesus. Keeping his word means obedience in doing Jesus' will. And not denying his name means withstanding opposition to the truth. And this tells us something very important about church life. And I hope this morning you have ears to hear. If the church walks in faithfulness and in obedience to Jesus, he will open doors for us to continue to serve him. If we respond to God's calling in faithfulness and obedience, God responds with faithfulness and power. And as we were studying this book of Ephesians these past weeks, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, we, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God already prepared the pathway. God has already opened the door so that we could walk in good works. It means that God is still the one that opens doors for his church today. God is still at work in countries like North Korea, like Pakistan, like Afghanistan, countries where they, the church is severely uh, persecuted, but the Bible says that God is the one that is at work, and people are still being saved in those countries because God is still opening doors for the church. We are a living proof of that as well. God has been opening doors for this community. Just a few months ago, we were in this really tiny room, in the outskirts of Lisbon, we are small in number, we were small in resources, and all of a sudden God opens a door and we are downtown Lisbon in these big facilities serving the Lord, preaching the gospel, having a drum set. Praise the Lord for that. Because God is the God that opens doors when we walk in faithful obedience to him. We know that we serve a God that has all the power. Jesus is the one that has all authority. So many important lessons for us. I don't know about you, but I believe that God has a lot more doors to open for us as a community. I believe that God has greater doors to open to this community. I believe that greater things are yet to come. I believe that God can use this small light of ours to give light to everyone that is in darkness in the city of Lisbon. I believe that God can use this to serve more and more people into God's kingdom so that their lives will be transformed by the power of God. I believe that God can use anyone who is faithfully obedient to him to spread the message and to give hope to those who are around us. But we need to walk in faithful obedience to him. That is the requirement. This is what God is looking 
in our lives in order for him to move, in order to accomplish his will. We need to believe that he is the one that has all the power, that Jesus is the one that holds the keys. We just have to walk in faithful obedience to his will because he is at work in his church. Let's continue in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 9. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Great doors will not open without great opposition. Great doors will not open without great opposition. And we understand from the word of God, Satan is the enemy of the church. And he will use whoever, whatever is available to try to be an obstacle to the church. And at this time, the Jewish community at Philadelphia, they were responsible for the oppression and the persecution of the church. They were Abraham's physical descendants, but they were not following Abraham's faith. But the church was keeping Jesus' words, and, and while all these things were happening, they kept Jesus' commandments. They kept Jesus' word. And what was Jesus' word in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44? This, Jesus told them, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The church was not responding in hatred. The church was responding with love and truth. And Jesus says, as a result of this, there would come a time where those Jews would recognize that Jesus is the Messiah. And they would worship Jesus at the feet of the church, completely repented and humiliated for all they did against them. But I know and we understand that if the church in Philadelphia, if they weren't faithful in loving their enemies, this wouldn't be possible. The Bible says in John 13, 35, words of Jesus, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus told us very plainly, the world will know that you are my followers, that you are following the way, the truth, and the life if you love one another. And as a church, we need to walk in love, not just because it's the nice thing to do, even though it's nice to be good to others, even though it's rewarding for us to do good even when someone is not doing the best uh, to us, but we know that we have to love because this is how the world can identify that God is living in us. And while others may choose to treat us as their, as their enemies, we are not called to treat our enemies as the, the world treats their enemies. You know how the world treats their enemies? You know? Yes? Do I need to explain? We don't. We know how this works. We know how friends and enemies work. But the Bible says we have to love our enemies. We have to love those who oppose us. There is nothing godly in treating others as they deserve to be treated. There is nothing godly in us treating others as they deserve. If you deserve good, I will do good to you. If you deserve my cold shoulder, I will give you my cold shoulder. There is nothing godly in that. 
And I know that it's challenging to us because we are as imperfect as we could. We are imperfect in more ways than one, but God calls us to love others as he loves them, to love them openly, to love them sacrificially, to love them honestly, to love them perfectly, because that is the way that God loves them. That is the way that God loves. And I know that you will probably have all the right reasons to not love someone. And I know that relationships are tricky and complicated. And a lot of harm can be done in relationships. But Jesus says you will only experience freedom if you choose to love. If you choose to love in obedience to God's call for you to love your enemies. Not give them what they deserve, but give them God's love. Because that is what God wants to give, put in, inside your heart. And I know that in many circumstances, it's not easy to understand, but how can I love? What is this kind of love that I need to love my enemy, enemies with? But if you go to 1 Corinthians 13, a beautiful chapter that describes God's love for us. If you want to know how you can love someone, even if they don't deserve it, you have to go to that chapter in the Word of God and discover how God decided to love you and me, forgive us, and also how this love transforms us so that we can love others as God loves them too. The book of Revelation continues in verse 10. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. The church in Philadelphia is commanded for their persistence. Persistence means to keep doing what pleases God despite difficulty or delay in achieving the goal. And I just share that we cannot mistake faith for stubbornness. But we, can all, we cannot also mistake faith for quick results. Are you here with me this morning? No. Only Pedro's here with me. Are you here? Yes. We cannot mistake faith for quick results. When we read the Gospels, when we look at the miracles that Jesus did, when we look at the miracles that were done by the hands of the apostles, sometimes we get this impression that faith will always guarantee quick results. But that's not the reality of the Word of God. The Bible says that, yes, God will move and God will act on our behalf and He will produce many miraculous things, but when and how He chooses to. God will always do things when and how he chooses to. What happens, what will happen if you give a child everything they want, when they want, and how they want? How many of you are parents? Okay. What happens if you give everything your child wants, when they want, and how they want? Any ideas? They become very happy. Oh, that's true. That's really true. But not only happiness. What else happens? They become spoiled. Wow, they become brats. Because we give everything, they're the ones in charge. 
And it's not by chance that the word of God tells us that we are children of God. Because if a child, if we give to a child everything they want, when they want, they will become spoiled. And this is the same reality in the spiritual kingdom. If God gave us everything we wanted, if the faith was the key for God to give us everything that we wanted, when we wanted, and how we wanted, we would become spiritual brats. And God didn't create us to be in charge and to be in command. The church still has a Lord. We still have a Lord over our lives. And we cannot allow ourselves to dictate what God needs to do, when God wants to do, and how God uh, is supposed to act. Persistence is to keep doing what pleases God, to keep loving to keep serving, to keep humbling ourselves, to keep coming to church gatherings, to keep the faith, to keep the commandments in spite of difficulties or delays in achieving the goal. What is the goal of Christian life? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, Pedro. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become wary and give up. Why are we running for? We are running for the glory of God. We are running for the joy of God in our lives. We are running for this joy that is awaiting us. The Bible says that we are running for our salvation. We are running for the salvation of many souls. And some people live like since Jesus endured this cross, since Jesus carried the cross, that Christians, we don't have a cross to carry. But that is not true. You and I, we still have a cross to bear. Jesus and it said in Luke 9:23 whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me so what cross is this what is the disciple's cross Galatians chapter 5:24-25 those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their own sinful selves They have given up their old selfish feelings and the evil things they wanted to do. We get our new life from the Spirit, so we should follow the Spirit. We are not carrying the cross of our salvation. That is the cross that Jesus carried. You and I, we are saved by the power of Jesus Christ. We are saved by the sacrifice that he did on that cross. We are saved by his precious blood, by everything that he did so that we could be again in a relationship with God. He paid the penalty for my sins and your sins. So what is this cross that we carry? We carry the cross of our obedience to God's will. We carry the cross of our obedience. 
Because obeying God's will will not always be easy. And in fact, will probably not be easy at all. Because the Bible says that we are crucifying the self. I am denying myself. I am saying no to myself in order to say yes to God. And I, can, I could try to paint this in a very pleasant way, in a very easy way for you to understand and, and me so that we will not feel heavy. But the Bible says that we have to say no to ourselves, to deny ourselves. That will never be pleasant because my way is selfish. My way is proud. My way, I believe it's better than God's way. But I have to believe in God in such a way that I will be able to say no to me so that I can say yes to God. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The simple way that you and I, we have to relate to God is accept God's will for our lives. As costly as it might be, as unpleasant as it might seem to us, saying yes to God can mean enduring hostility from sinful people. Saying yes to God means to strip off every sin, every weight that slows us down. Saying yes to God means saying no to a lot of different things. Why do Christians do this to themselves? How can we possibly free people who live in a democracy may accept this apparent burden of following someone that dictates what is good and what is bad and how I should live my life. Because Jesus is the one that said, come to me, all who are tired and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take upon you my yoke that is light and you will find peace for your souls. Because in our apparent freedom of doing and trying to accomplish our own will, what we feel it will be better to us, the Bible says that we become burdened. That we go so deep in our sins and our wrongdoings, we, we dig such a pit for ourselves to be in that no one can really rescue us from that. And I don't know if you've reached that point in your life. In your spiritual life, because I'm, I'm happy that no one here is living on, on a pit, right? No one ha- is living in a hole. You have a house. You have a work, hopefully. You have conditions to live. But spiritually speaking, inside your heart, inside your soul, you are living with the consequences of your wrongdoings and that the Bible calls sin. And Jesus is saying, if you are willing... You can trade all of that heaviness. You can trade all that despair. You can trade all that anguish. You can trade your selfishness. You can trade everything, your hatred, for the joy and the peace that I offer to you. If you would just let it go and take up your cross. Take up the cross of denying yourself, of saying, I don't want to do my will anymore because my will will lead me nowhere. Because my will is not enough for me to find happiness or even a sense of purpose on this earth. But I am willing to accept God's will for my life. 
I am willing to accept that maybe God has something better for me than what and how I am living right now. And when we choose to do that, when we say, okay, Jesus, I will take up the cross daily because the self will always try to be back in the throne. The self will always try to move back in and dictate and tell God, this is what I want, this is how I want, this is how I decide to live my life. We all struggle with that. That is why carrying our cross is something that we have to do daily, not just on Sundays, not just on Mondays. Daily, we have to say no to ourselves in order that we can say yes to God. Yes. Yes to the peace that he wants to give us. Yes to the love that can only fulfill us and it comes directly from his throne of grace. Yes to his power at work in our lives, opening the doors that we couldn't open for ourselves. Yes to see God's glory taking care of everything. Jesus said that the world is going from bad to worse. But Jesus will deliver those who are faithful to him. This is my promise. This is your promise from the word of God. Jesus, is, Jesus promised to come back. And as his church, we are waiting patiently for his return. Jesus will come back. So we have to wait. We will be rewarding and live in the presence of God forever and ever. We will live with him forever. And I don't understand forever. I would, how many of you are fans of The Good Place, the TV show named Good Place? Yay, we have you and I. We are going strong. But it's a very interesting show that makes us think about eternity, what forever really means. And it's so hard because forever means without end. And while our lives here on earth will have an end, the Bible says that our time on earth is counted. Each of us, we have a limited time here. But the Bible says that we should live for this time. We should live with eternity in mind. A time that will not end. And God wants to take us to a place where we'll be in his presence. A presence that will fill us with love and joy and peace forever and ever and ever. And I praise God for this beautiful that I know that my life will not end here. These promises are ours. But for the only way for the church in Philadelphia to hold to these promises, to hold fast to these promises, the only way for you and me to hold fast to these promises is to walk in faithful obedience to Jesus. Walk in faithful obedience to Jesus. This is the call that Jesus makes to us this morning. We're not alone on this. It would be impossible for us to try to accomplish this in our own power, in our own strength, but the Bible promises us the Holy Spirit that lives in us. The Holy Spirit that enables us and gives us the power from within to follow God's will, to understand God's will, and the ability to say no, to recognize that my way is not the best way. The best way is to follow God's way. Loving our enemies, serving faithfully, 
serving honestly, accomplishing God's will, even though it will be hard. In great opposition comes every time a great door is opening. But we trust and we live by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We trust His promises and we trust the one that holds this powerful key. And He will make us able to walk through the door that He opens for us. God is going before you and He's going to open doors in your life, I'm sure of that. Because if you decide to walk in faithful obedience to Him, God is going to show His favor and His faithfulness to you too. Don't despair. It's not in your time. It's in God's timing. Let us pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, this morning, once again with our hearts. Whatever it is, is within us, Lord. You know our thoughts. You know our struggles. You know our commitment. We, you know our diligence as well. You know exactly the way that we are walking with you. You know everything about us, Lord, but thank you that your word is not only here to correct us and to point us to the right path, but is also here to encourage us, to tell us, Lord, that we are doing a good thing. That we are walking in faithfulness, that we are walking in obedience to you. Thank you, Lord. Because you know where we are and you know what we are doing. Thank you, Lord, because that encourages us every single day to continue to love you and follow you. Thank you for the power. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the peace. Thank you for the resources. Thank you for your grace that surrounds us. Thank you, Lord, because we are where we are because of who you are. We love you, Lord. We love you so much. Everything we have comes from you, and we recognize this as a community. We recognize this individually, too. Lord, but we know that this call to persevere is something that we have to do daily. It's something that we have to do, Lord. Carry our cross. We have to do it. We have to say no to ourselves. We have to deny our wills and our needs sometimes and put you first in our lives. Lord, help us to do this. Help us to be faithful. Even though it may come with a cost. Even though it will not be easy for us to do this, Lord, we, we pray that with the help of your Holy Spirit, you will give us the grace to every single soul in this place to say no to ourselves and say yes to you. Yes to your mighty plans. Yes to your love. Yes to your power. Yes to the trust that allows us to completely rest in your mighty arms, Lord. I pray, Lord, that, that if there are souls in this place that haven't trusted you as their Savior, as their Lord, that this morning their hearts will turn to you. That they will give you the opportunity and the chance to show that you are king, that you are sovereign over all creation, that your plans are better than our own plans for ourselves. And as we live for you, as we say yes to you, as we commit to follow you, 
Lord, we will experience a new life that you can give. We experience new feelings, new emotions, new power to live that comes from you. I pray that those who need to make this decision this morning, they will make today in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father, that you will give power to every brother, every sister in Christ in this place. Help us to walk in faithful obedience to you, Lord. Help us to love sacrificially. Help us to follow your will no matter the cost for ourselves and our families and our circumstances. Help us to say yes to you. And allow us to trust that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We will walk in your goodness, Lord, because you are faithful to those who are faithful to you. Help us to live in this faithfulness, Lord. Help us to be faithful to you as we continue to proclaim the gospel in this city. As we remain faithful to give light to those who are living in darkness. As we are committed to give help to those who are despair and hopeless, Lord, in this city. Father, go before us and continue to open doors. We pray for open doors for us. We pray for open doors for this community. We pray for open doors and resources. We pray for open doors and people that will come to serve alongside of us. We pray for open doors that heaven in itself will come to this city, Lord. And we will see you move in ways that we haven't seen you move before. We pray all of this and we believe in your power. We believe in your will in the name of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to believe. Help us to trust you in knowing that you are in control. We give you the honor. We give you the glory this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship the Lord together. We hope that God has touched your heart with the message that he wants to tell us. If you would like to be updated with the things that are happening in our church, you will follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Riverside Lisbon. Thank you for listening.